scale of one to ten, ten being most, how much does he want to hit a home run here? Maybe 16? <laughs> the two one. High fly ball, right field. Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you from Florida. What Flo Rider named his name after? You put Flo Rider together, it makes Florida. You probably already knew that. I'm here with Danny King, coming to you from New York. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing, it's rainy up here in New York. It's been raining the past, like, four days, but still, I'm doing good. Yeah, that, you know, because I, I work outside, and so on the rain days, it's like, nice. I get off work a little early, but then the next day, it's like, man, like, this sucks. I have to make up for everything. And it's like, then you you just dread the rain. So we've kind of been having on and off the last couple of days. And my windshield wipers aren't great. So like last week I was on the road and I literally thought I was going to get wrecked. I was between a concrete barrier during construction and had semi-trucks racing past me. And it was the only time in my life where I was ever like, this this is not safe on the road. Um, so yeah, rain is good. Rain is necessary, but sometimes it sucks. All right, so we are in the dead time. But we got some stuff. Training camp schedule released. And these freaking Yankee fans. Now, this yeah. comes back to bite me because I'm a huge fan of booing. I love that my Yankee, my fellow Yankee fans boo people. And I love bur- journeying, journeying jerseys, burning jerseys. But whenever it comes back at me, it's like, how about that, Bobby? So, no, honestly, this is nothing big. Um, in fact, we had a couple of people say that he wasn't booed, although a lot of people said they were. So, but at the end of the day, this is kind of uh, a nothing issue. But it was funny to see almost every beat writer used as a story. And I kind of feel for that. It's like this dead time. They got nothing to write about. Daniel Jones got booed. One person said it on Twitter. And we are going to run wildfire with it. And the, the beat reporters that like kind of there's a few who are like always negative, which is whatever. But this was like their example. Be like, see, I can be nice. I don't think Daniel Jones could have got booed. Anyways, I just thought it was kind of funny, and I think people thought we were more mad about it because I was like, this. I was like, hey, you know, I talk, I, I tweeted at our, our talking Yanks guys, John Boy and Jake. I was like, this crosses the line, and I think some people were like, can you, like, are you really mad about this? In reality, it, it is what it is. No, no, yeah, I posted just a, a stupid video of some, someone saying unacceptable. But yeah, it's a joke, obviously. They're, they're booing him because, once again, because no one wanted Daniel Jones at the moment. And it's, once again, it's, it's no big deal. It doesn't matter. Daniel Jones is going to get booed countless times in his NFL career and get him booed by a bunch of Yankee fans at, like, a game. I don't think he cares about Yankee fans. He was just there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Want- Be careful the way you say a bunch of Yankee fans. I can say bad stuff about them, but as a Mets fan, you're not allowed to, Danny, or I will jump through this Skype video. <laughs> No, no. Like if Daniel Jones came to a Met game, he wouldn't have got a boot. I'm joking. I don't know what would have happened there. Yeah, because so. there'd be nobody there. Okay, okay. Calm down there. Uh, but yes, uh, we'll see. He was just gonna boot. And as you said, it's the dead time. We have to talk about it because one, we need time to fill in the beat reporters. They need to make a living as well. So write a Daniel Jones article. Even Evan Ingram responded to it. He was like, "How come fans are booing?" And and knowing them, it was probably just like a shot of Daniel Jones. It was probably like. Five fans booed him, and like just the whole like the world realized that like all Yankee fans hate Daniel Jones. <laughs> Honestly, it was just like something silly. And I saw our, our guy Penick, who Penick gets a lot of t- like a lot of airtime on the show. 
So but he also <laughs> he also opened his last show with literally audio of Marshall. So I guess I guess I can't complain. Um, he's he was there and he said that he wasn't booed. He said like he wasn't on the screen long enough to be booed. And he was like, it, like just free, not freaking out, but he's like, he was not booed. And then like, I was just, you know, joking around with it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, people are actually writing stories. And then the next morning, like 75% of the beat reporters had written stories. Um, it's just the New York way. Like everything we do garners news clippings. No, oh, yeah. Uh, Panic, he fought the Valiant fight, but alas, if something, little rumor starts, everyone's going to run with it. And boy, did we run with the Daniel Jones rumor that he got, not rumored, the fact that he got it booed. But as you said, everyone needed to report on it. He was even, it was just, he got booed. Who cares? Players get booed all the time. Probably uh, Eli Apple got booed if he ever went to a Yankees or Mets game because no one really liked Eli Apple. So who cares? Daniel Jones got booed. I think he'll survive. I don't think he'll remember this day. He doesn't seem phased by these type of things. Yeah. As my friend Sessa said, who cares? Um, so yeah, that was it. Uh, the other news before we move on. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say at the beginning of the show. We interviewed Dan Duggan of the Athletic Giants beat reporter. He's a real. Actually, since we already went this far, I'll preface it when we get there. The other news: training camp schedule released ten days that is open to the public compared to the one day that the Eagles have open to the public. <laughs> Danny, what are those dates? The first date. Is Thursday, July 25th at 2.45 p.m. The next date is Saturday, July 27th, also at 2.45 p.m. Sunday, July 28th, also at 2.45 p.m. Tuesday, July 30th, 2.45. Wednesday, July 31st, 2.45. Friday, August 2nd, 2.45. All right. I think this was, this was a horrible idea. They, look in the Giants' website. We <laughs> We're advertising the Giants. I was getting bored halfway through. Like your ten, like twenty seconds of doing the dates. So I was like, hang, hang on, I got one better one. We got Sunday, August eleventh at ten forty-five, new time. Definitely. All right, so we also, right, I'm gonna try and get there. So, but I don't have the money right now. So what I said is, I will buy one two dollars scratch off ticket a day until then, and if I win over a thousand dollars, I will be at Giants training camp for three days. I mean. Hey, if you do that, I'll find a way to get the Giants training camp as well. Okay, okay. We'll do a live show. That'd be, that would actually be a lot of fun. Um, that will so be, yeah. yeah. Let's get it freaking done. Or, 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 I bet you we have, like, one really wealthy listener. Send your boys out there. We'll, <laughs> we'll rep whatever you want. I mean, if, if, if you have a sock company, we will, be, we will wear socks on our hands, on our heads, on our feet, on every single place a sock can fit, actually, except for one. That, that shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that on the show. Um, we'll put a sock everywhere we possibly can, and just rep your sock company. I mean, anything. We will rep your company if you send us a training camp for three days. It's free. All you gotta do is pay for three days of a hotel room. That's all you gotta do. And my, and I'd like to have a car. So rent me a, a car. Rent me a car, and then three days of Airbnb. That's all you gotta do, guys. Listen, just support us. We gave away free stickers. That's pretty much the same. <laughs> I mean, hey, yeah. And, hey, there's even a hotel by the stadium. I know that because I go there during the season. It's just sitting right there. They, they probably got nice rooms there. And, hey, I got a car. I could drive it there. It may not have a bumper right now, but I can get there. I will stay in the trashiest motel <laughs> if you pay for it. I'd like to stay in a little nicer, but I'll stay in the trashiest motel. I can make do. 
I'm a, I'm a Gruden grinder like that. So, yeah, I would – in all seriousness, man, next year we'll, we'll probably be more planned out and have more money and a million listeners and 25 sponsors yes. and the whole yes. show will just be sponsors. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I would love to get out there. And like I said, I'm going to pay – I'm going to buy one $2 scratch off a day until I can get over $1,000. And I'm probably one of the few people up on the Florida lottery because I don't play scratch-offs. Um, a few years ago, I just played on a whim because me and my buddy had like 30 minutes until we were able to go do this job. And we're like, all right, we're going to get paid. Why don't just go buy you know five scratch-off tickets to pass the time? Won $1,000. And one time I had $2. I just got paid, paid my bills. I had $2. For the rest of the week. And I was like, whatever. I might as well just buy one scratch off. One hundred bucks. Was able to buy some food and not starve to death that week. So I'm actually up on the Florida lottery because I almost never play and I've won big a few times. So yeah. Um, maybe that'll work. But what would work better is if someone paid for me to go. I mean, hey, you may be able to finesse the system. You maybe not playing a lot gives you a bigger earning or just play it every day and you'll finally strike big on one of them it's got something's gonna give it's just what what one danny i hate to tell you but there's a lot of people in my neighborhood who live by that philosophy yeah, if you play it much you're gonna win they never win it really <laughs> it, it just i mean I, I it's sad i see people actually now i'm gonna get really judgy and people who do this are gonna be like wow you're getting mad at me because i spent a hundred dollars worth of scratch offs a week <laughs> um so i'm not gonna go there i'm not gonna judge anybody for that all right do we have anything else before we kick it to the interview Anything on your mind? Uh, no, I got nothing else to think about. I love it. All right, so we did an interview with Dan Duggan of The Athletic. I like Dan a lot. Um, I've had him on Superman Radio a couple times, and I think we even had him on this show when we first started. Uh, so, yeah, we're doing interviews up until training camp starts. Um, got a few more scheduled. I had Dan on. Dan does a good job of, like, sifting through all the garbage that comes out of these OTAs. Where it's like a lot, I asked him like, "What? Well, what about this?" Like, people were saying this, and he's like, "No, that's that's not going to happen." Um, and he's very just like flat out about it, and I like that about him. So he like he doesn't ju- like he doesn't like take any bait and run with it. So like I was like, "What about C.J. Conrad?" A guy was like, "Ah, eh, I don't know. Like they're probably not going to move Ellison for him," which is like I've been I've been saying that for a while. Um, so some other stuff we had a, we had a good conversation. Obviously, he's talked about Daniel Jones and. Pat Shermer's closing comments uh, going into the to the dead time. So a quick ad, and then Dan Duggan, Dugan, digging, Duggan, digging, Dan Duggan. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. All right, we now welcome on to the program again from the Athletic. He covers the New York Giants, Dan Duggan. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. Appreciate you uh, always coming on whenever we ask. Now, we're in this dead period, and when you guys were left off, the last time you got to talk to Coach Shermer, he seemed to open the door for Daniel Jones to a possibility of being starting. He didn't say that it was open competition, and he made clear that Eli was the starter. But he also didn't say like he has 
you know, he did last year where it's like Dan, Eli Manning is a starter. And I obviously people weren't asking if Kyle Aletta would start week one. But do you think that door is possibly open for Daniel Jones to start week one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's open a crack, but I definitely don't think, you know, Shermer left that open to interpretation, I think, deliberately. And, you know, people have certainly gone different uh, ways with it. I've always said this, until Daniel Jones at least takes a first team rep, which he didn't do all spring, um, I can't consider it any sort of a competition. Um, and, and I don't really think that'll be the case in camp, at least not early on. I, I don't think they're going to come out on, you know, July 25th. They just released the schedule and it's going to be Eli taking one set of reps with the ones and then Daniel Jones getting the next. I just don't see them totally reversing course on this entire plan they've had where they brought Eli back. Uh, they, they believe that you know, Daniel Jones will benefit from, you know, learning behind him, the, the Kansas City model that we've heard so much about. So, I mean, as much as people, you know, really want to jumpstart the new era and, I think Daniel Jones probably looked better than you know maybe was expected. Uh, it wasn't as if he was so much better than Eli Manning this spring that you should just totally tear up your plan and, and we're going to see a, a drastic change. Now, again, uh, the door was left open to crack. I think a lot of that has to do with what good does it give Pat Shermer on, you know, I think it was June 11th. You're about to go into, you know, a six-week break. And what good would it do to have him put into Daniel Jones' head? There's no chance you start the, uh, week one. I mean, it, everyone kind of knows that's the case, but – it does no good to just dismiss that possibility, dangle that carrot out there in front of him. Uh, you know, just human nature, he might get complacent if he knows there's no chance. And then, listen, if Eli gets hurt in the second preseason game, Daniel Jones is going to have to start. So you might as well have him preparing like it is a possibility rather than having to flip that switch and say, oh, man, I was prepared to, you know, kick back all season. So I think it's a little bit of psychology that you never want to tell a guy you're definitely not going to start. I think it would be the same if you asked about, you know, Wayne Gallman. Prepare like you're the starter. Everyone knows Saquon Barkley is going to start in week one. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, you know, somewhat of a competition would be good for both Eli and Daniel, where last year, Eli, the self-sacks were a little more than we've ever seen. And he was conservative, especially earlier in the season. So, yeah, I think it's good to you know keep that open. Now, you mentioned him not getting first team reps, which you like, which is 100 percent important. You can't take first team reps in a game if you're not taking first team reps in practice. Do you see any possibility or do you, do you think Eli, Daniel Jones will get like eight? first team reps uh, a practice or anything like that during training camp and or, or at all if Eli Manning is a, even if it's week four and Eli's still the starter do you ever see them like letting Daniel Jones creep in with some first team snaps yeah I mean the thing is practice reps are, are kind of so minimal as you, you hear you know coaches always complain about how far training camp practice time has gotten cut down uh they're so sparse that they don't you know you can't really just spread them around to give guys a shot. You know, it's a very scripted you know, process. Eli might throw 15 passes in a practice. If, are you going to give five of those to a kid who's you know, not going to start? Uh, I mean, again, you, you certainly could open it up I mean, and just say, let the best man win. But just based on the way that they've kind of approached this whole thing, I don't see them you know, diverting course. But the one thing that will happen, and it'll be funny because uh, I was actually looking back last year, there was a day or two in the middle of camp, I think it was right before they went to Detroit for the joint practices, where Davis Webb and Kyle Oletta got some first-team reps because they were just managing a 37-year-old quarterback's you know, arm and his workload. So when that day comes, people are going to freak out. Oh, my God, <laughs> Daniel Jones has overtaken Eli. The, you know, the time has come. And then we'll talk to Sherman after practice, and he'll say, oh, yeah, we're just kind of you know, lightening Eli's workload. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I can't rule it out because I'm not in Pat Sherman's mind. I don't know exactly what their plan is. But I just would be very surprised if we show up, like I said, in July, and it's a full-on open competition. I really think that... Eli will get, you know, the vast majority of first-team reps. Now, maybe as camp goes on, if Jones just kind of 
ascends and, and Eli really struggles, you know, maybe they have to start making a more serious consideration. But again, from what I saw in the spring, it wasn't like Daniel Jones was worlds better than Eli Manning by any stretch. I mean, I, they both were, you know, fine. I mean, it was, it's, it's basically two-hand touch football. I mean, it's hard to look really bad in that setting. Um, and neither one of them looked like Patrick Mahomes or anything. So uh, I just don't know that there'd be enough separation that, that Jones can even create in the limited amount of practice uh, time he's had and even will have in camp. Yeah, I'm going to have to clip that audio for whenever that one practice does show up and be like, listen, calm down. Dan, Dan already <laughs> called it from last year. All right, so I wanted, I do want to move on from the quarterbacks. Obviously, we have to get that out of the way. To another guy who is kind of maybe a quarterback, Eric Dungy, the guy out of Syracuse. Now, from what I've heard or seen from you guys at practice is that he hasn't been practicing much because of an injury. But I also don't think Pat Shermer signs a guy like that if they don't plan to use him in a Taysom Hill role. Obviously, that'll probably be something we won't see till the regular season. But do you see him using him in that role, especially like we saw him throw out Kyle at wide receiver one play? Yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously the thought when you bring a guy like that in. But at the same time, I mean, they had 10 draft picks and, you know, they didn't use one of them on him. So granted, he still is an undrafted free agent. It's always an uphill climb for those guys. So he might have an idea for a role, but then all of a sudden it's September 1st. and You got to cut that roster to 53 guys and you might say, well, we need this, you know, six defensive linemen more than we need a, a kind of a gadget guy. So, uh, based on the fact that he didn't get on the field all spring, I mean, I believe it's a minor injury. He was always uh, kind of in the rehab group on the side, so nothing that's gonna, you know, keep him from competing for a spot uh, this summer. But he's way behind because you figure he's not only an undrafted free agent, he's an undrafted free agent transitioning from quarterback to tight end, and then to not even get the, you know, kind of the valuable reps he would have got there this spring to at least, you know, start that process. I mean, he really is gonna have to turn heads with his athleticism, you know, on special teams and, you know, cause a fumble on a kickoff return in a preseason game, something like that, because uh, I do have a hard time seeing a a roster spot for him now. I think ideally he's a guy you sneak onto the practice squad, let him develop, and in a year maybe, you know, he becomes that that gadget guy. Because if I recall, Taysom Hill got cut before he ended up in New Orleans. So it's not as if it's a smooth uh, transition for these guys, um, you know, to to a roster spot. So I think that he's a guy, yeah, you certainly like to keep him around and, and they see something, but... Uh, I'm not sold on him, you know, having an impact in, in 2019. Right. So I, I want to talk about the tight ends a little bit. Obviously, Evan Ingram's a starter, although his injuries are, while it was minor during these OTAs, it is still kind of alarming that he wasn't practicing. But there seems to be kind of a clog between Ellison, Simonson, and Conrad, and I don't think any of us see him carrying four tight ends. Maybe they do. Now, they seem to like, from what we hear, C.J. Conrad seems to impress and Ellison doesn't have a big contract, but I think it's four and a half million. Do you see there's any way they move him on, move on from him, uh, whether it's a cut or a trade? Does that? Do you think that makes sense football-wise? And is there any benefit to it financially? Uh, yeah, I mean football-wise, you know, I don't think so. I mean, you know, C.J. Conrad definitely looked good uh, this spring, and, and probably is a guy deserving a roster spot. But I think he's really going for Scott Simonson's roster spot more than the, you know, because Red Ellison, you could definitely make the case is the number one tight end in terms of, uh, you know, kind of the amount of snaps he'll play in lines, probably more than anyone, including Engram. Uh, so I don't know if C.J. Conrad is is kind of ready to to wrestle that spot from from an established veteran. Uh, you know, Ellison's contract definitely isn't you know isn't great for kind of what he produces. Uh, but at the same time, you still need football players on the field, you know, come September. So uh, what would saving, you know, I think it would say like $3 million if they were to cut him, what are you going to spend that $3 million on at that point? So uh, I don't think financially, if you're going to cut him, I think you would have done it before free agency. 
and use that money, you know, somewhere else. I don't think it, it benefits you a ton to do it at this point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would think he's safe. Uh, you never know, um, especially when you get down to, you know, cut down day and, and maybe they're looking at the salary cap. It's a little tight, but uh, to me, I think he's valuable enough in the in the sense that you know he's really the you know the tight end who can do both a little bit. I mean, he's not a a great receiver. He's not Engram's echelon's receiver, uh, but he's competent and you know, he's certainly a better blocker than Engram. So I, I think he has value, especially. Um, you know, with the potential them run a lot of two tight end sets, I think you want a guy like that around. Yeah, my thinking was is, is Simonson looked really good in the in the run game last year, and then you know he had some catches, but you know I don't you don't put too much stock in. That. I was thinking maybe Simonson would take Ellison's spot, and then you pick Conrad in that that third tight end. But yeah, I I, I definitely see Ellison as being a solid guy. I just thought maybe that that might be some kind of money yeah. they're moving off of. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, and then so the the wide receiver group there's. Kind of two questions with this. I, I guess we'll start with the first one. That third spot, Corey Coleman seems to be the guy everybody wants. Latimer is the guy coming back from last year. And then you have Darius Slayton, who's the speedster out of Auburn, who I think even if he doesn't you know, make his way into a starting lineup, I think they should throw him out there for five, six reps a game and allow him to make a play. But who seems to be like set, like setting the tone there that they're going to be wide receiver number three? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of shaped up as a pretty interesting battle. Um, you know, personally, just from based on what I saw this spring, it seems like, you know, they kind of want to give Corey Coleman every opportunity to win that job. I mean, they definitely cycled guys in there. Uh, he was out there probably the most. Uh, Cody Latimer was out there a good amount. Benny Fowler was there a little bit. Slayton even got a few reps uh, towards, I think it was the last OTA. He got some first-team reps. So they're going to they're gonna rotate a lot of different guys through there. But, you know, Coleman, I think a little bit just with the pedigree, um, you know, it's it's – there's something about first-round picks. I mean, look, Eric Flowers is, is penciled in to start for the Redskins. There's something about being a first-round <laughs> pick that GMs just seem like they get brainwashed by and can never get it out of their minds because, um, you know, obviously, Coleman uh, you know, hasn't produced to this point. But I think you know, the speed he would bring, because they need someone to stretch the defense if you're going to have you know, Tate and, and uh, Shepard doing so much underneath work. Um, and, and he certainly has speed. And I think there's also some optimism that the fact that you know he came in midstream last year was his you know his fourth team in ten weeks. Um, you know his head was spinning a little bit. I think that they feel like uh, having a full off season in the offense should help him. But uh, it's certainly not a lock by any stretch. I think it's going to kind of just really come down to how guys perform and you know in camp with a lot of reps with the ones and how guys do in the preseason. Um, but you know they have some options. I mean I think Cody Latimer or Benny Fowler is a, uh, a serviceable guy. I just think maybe Coleman or even Slayton has much more upside. Um, Slayton certainly came on uh, as the spring went on, but still a little rough around the edges. I think, you know, maybe getting a little carried away to, for anyone to think he'd be ready to step in as a number three receiver. I mean, he was, you know, in a terrible offense in college last year. He was a fifth round pick for a reason. So I think, you know, temper expectations there, let him be maybe the fourth guy, make a big play here and there. And, you know, obviously, uh, you'd hope for down the road, he develops into more. Yeah. I, with Slayton, I, I could see him not as Martavis Bryant, cause he was pretty, pretty productive with Pittsburgh. But just kind of in that role where, you know, give him a smoke screen or a go route every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so the other wide receivers, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. Golden Tate's the guy I'm – oh, and by the way, Corey Coleman, like you said with that first-round tag, I guarantee you New England, Cleveland, and Detroit had the same thoughts as us. Like if, if you could <laughs> tap into that guy, he, he could be great. Right. Um, Tate and Shepard. Golden Tate's a guy I really like. His production has been really solid besides last year when he got traded. But – I mean, I went and crunched the numbers, and he was on rate for 100 catches and over 1,000 yards If you know, when, uh, when he left Detroit. Who seems to be the guy standing out of those two? Because uh, I could see Sterling Shepard kind of not ex- coming up to a fan's expectation. 
Is is it who does Eli look to more yet so far, to Tate or Shepard? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, obviously they weren't kind of like top priorities to to monitor them even in the spring because you kind of know what you're going to get with both of those guys. I mean, obviously with Tate, you know, he is adjusting to an offense, but uh, especially the way he plays, it, it kind of you know transfers to to any offense because it's a lot of short passes and letting him do work, you know, after the catch and um, certainly no reason to think that won't continue here because, like you said, uh, it's tough to you know drop him into you know a, a established team like they were last year midstream and. Um, as much as he didn't really have a, as much production there, he had the big catch in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, he's kind of a gamer. And again, I, whatever you thought about that contract, um, I think for the first year or two, he should, you know, definitely remain productive. And Shepard is just, you know, very reliable. He always kind of looks good in practice. And, you know, he's had production in his first, you know, couple of years in the league. So no reason to think that, you know, won't be the, the case. I mean, obviously he's a guy that they're counting on probably to step up. You know, obviously there's a lot of targets to, uh, to, to be available with Odell gone. I don't think either one of those guys is, is going to emerge as like a you know bona fide number one receiver. Um, but with the, you know the way they you know run so many short routes, I'm sure they'll have you know 80, 90 catches probably if they stay healthy, just because uh, kind of the nature of this offense. So uh, I, yeah, those are guys who you know if they have to worry about them, they're in trouble because those are two pretty reliable, proven guys that you know should be able to uh, be effective. Right. All right. So I, I want to finish off the offense with one last the right tackle spot. Mike Remmers obviously wasn't practicing, and you really can't catch much out of offensive linemen when you're in, in shorts and helmets. Do you think that's going to be Mike Remmers' job to lose, or do you think it's going to be an open battle split and wrestle between him and Chad Wheeler? Although I do think offensive line is a lot easier to, like, okay, this guy's better. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it'll be Remmers' job, but I think it would be a little bit unfair to Wheeler if you're going to come out, you know, on day one of camp and just make Remmers a starter. I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, letting him earn it a little bit. I think uh, it'll probably be one of those deals where they probably open up kind of splitting first-team reps, assuming Remmers is healthy. I mean, there's no indication that he won't be, but, hey, until you, you know, lace him up and get on the field, we can't count on it. Um, you know, back surgeries for 300-pound guys are never minor. I don't care, <laughs> you know, how you want to describe this one. Um, but yeah, assuming he's healthy, I would assume that they'll probably have some sort of platoon there and, and let them battle it out. I'd be very surprised. It'd be kind of dis- disappointing, I think, if Remmers, uh, you know, doesn't win the job because, you know, you're bringing him in as a veteran and you would think he'd be an upgrade over a guy like Wheeler who, you know, stepped in, you know, filled in admirably, admirably in a tough spot last year, but certainly didn't perform well. So you would, you would think that Remmers should be an upgrade there. And if he's not, uh, I think that's, uh, that doesn't bode really well for that right tackle spot. Uh, but I would think they'll have to at least make him fight for it and get, you know give Wheeler a shot to uh, to hold on to that job. All right, so I, w- I want to move over to the defense. Um, we'll, we'll start with linebacker. Is Tay Davis the starter right now? Because from what we've seen from you guys at, at, at you know from coming from the, all the reports that Tay Davis seems to be getting the first team reps, or is it more so like they're they're just running a lot of nickel stuff and he'll be the nickel guy and Goodson will be in the base. Yeah, I mean, that's what's hard. You know, you try to chart personnel with these practices, you know, kind of moves kind of fast, and they'll go from base to nickel, base to nickel, and, and you're trying to keep up. And um, so he's out there probably more, but I think it's still mostly in sub-packages. I think when, they, when they're when out there and they're, you know, base 3-4 defense, I still think Goodson was uh, was the main guy next to Ogletree. Uh, but, you know, as we know, I think they were in uh, sub-packages 84% of the time last year. So if that's going to be the case again, uh, Tay Davis should play a heck of a lot more than B.J. Goodson. So, um, you know, they, they like Davis, uh, clearly. Undrafted free agent last year, you know, I think expectations, you know, probably weren't very high. He didn't think he'd even play as much as he ended up playing. 
Um, so I think they're hoping that he can really develop into that kind of cover guy that they, they desperately need so they can just stop getting abused by, you know, tight ends and running backs and, and just, you know, over the you know, middle of the defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's, uh, it's kind of his job to lose as far as being that guy next to Ogletree uh, in the sub packages. And again, that's, that's basically a starting job uh, based on how much they're going to be in those. Yeah, definitely. And then another undrafted guy, you know, this year out of Mississippi State, he played safety, and it, it seems like the Giants are moving in the linebacker, Mark McLaurin. And I've heard some people say, you know, using him as the money backer the same way Betcher used uh, Deion Buchanan in Arizona. And I even heard that he was getting some first-team reps. Are, are they using him? Like, do you see them like him making the roster and then using him as, like, that money backer? Or, or what do you see with him? Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't jump out to me again. It's hard to chart every single rep, but I don't, I don't remember him taking first team reps. Uh, and if he did, they, they must've been minimal. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't, I didn't get the impression that he was a, a huge part of their plans. I mean, again, maybe he could be like a Tay Davis and, you know, sneak onto the roster and all of a sudden someone gets hurt and gets thrust into a bigger role. But I think he's, he's definitely behind guys like Davis and Goodson. And even, uh, you know, Ryan Conley was, uh, I think a fifth round pick. Um, I think he's a guy who would still be ahead of McLaren. So I, I, I'd be surprised, honestly, if McLaren makes the team. Uh, they even have Nate Stupar, who's a, you know, a veteran, who's you know, more of a special team guy. But that, that bottom of that middle linebacker depth chart is kind of crowded. So I don't know that there's a real uh, opening for a guy like McLaren to, uh, to make a push. Yeah, all you got to do is change the guy's college position, and that completely makes me intrigued in the guy. <laughs> I can't wait to see him. It's the same way I was with Tay Davis. There was a corner out of uh, – Houston this year who played wide receiver I was like man he can figure it out <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of corners it seems to be like a hot and heavy battle a lot you know went from a position of no depth to too much depth almost now it seems like DeAndre Baker is going to get that starting job on the outside and I think we'd all expect that when you you know trade what you did to get him uh, if he is do you see them using Sam Beal in the nickel at all or is he kind of going to have to wait his turn until there's an injury or Jenkins moves on? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, because, you know, Beal started the spring as the starter and it really didn't take long for, for Baker to overtake him and, and never look back. So uh, I think you can kind of kiss the starting job goodbye because I think it's going to be Jenkins or Baker. There's no reason to think that either one of those guys is going to give up those jobs. So that does become the question. If maybe Beal might be your third best corner, but does he project as a slot guy? I don't believe he played a ton of it in college. I know he's not known as the most physical guy, which you might want, and, you know, because you're going to be playing inside a little bit more. I think they're probably best suited to just keep him as the third outside corner. Uh, obviously, there's not a ton of playing time there, but, you know, injuries certainly do happen, um, and you would need to have him kind of ready. I mean, it's a possibility, but it seems like, you know, Grant Haley and, and Julian Love are going to duke it out for the slot job, and, and so Beal does kind of become the, the odd man out, but you know, the way, like I said, the way injuries go, I mean, the, the odds are he'll find his way onto the field, uh, you know, at some point this season. Right. And and with Jenkins, say, say the Giants are three and six, would it make sense for them to to trade him um, and let, let Beal get in? Like, financially-wise, like, is there any cap hit to the next year or or is it kind of a might as well let him play, uh, you know, these next two years? Yeah, I mean, I have to double-check him because I'm trying to think. I feel like when they traded uh, Snacks, whatever dead cap, you know, you would have had, if they just cut him after the season, it's the same during the season because you're, you're after June 1st. I mean, I have to double check on that. But regardless, it wouldn't be a significant cap gain because I think most people kind of assume Jenkins is probably playing his last season with the Giants. So I don't think you know, you'd get that far ahead of it financially if you cut him in October and trade him in October as opposed to cut him in, you know, March. Uh, but you obviously, you know, you'd, you'd secure a draft pick and, and that type of thing. But 
Uh, yeah, it's definitely going to depend on how the team is doing. Because, I mean, when they started unloading guys last year, they were 1-6. If you're in that same position, sure, it doesn't make a ton of sense to, to hang on to Jenkins if you're planning to move on anyways. Let Beal get the second half of the season because that's, you know, more of your future. So certainly could see that happen. But obviously, I don't think that's in their plans because they don't <laughs> tend to be 1-6 again. Right. All right, so I want to finish off with one more. Now, safety seems to be pretty thin at depth. Obviously, Bethea and Peppers are supposed to be the starters. Do you is Julian Love or Corey Ballantyne or, or any of them playing safety? Because you know Corey Ballantyne, we don't know anything about him, but he was a draft pick, and I just it's hard to see him ever getting on the field as a corner, especially with all the young guys we have. And Julian Love is somebody they talk about playing a safety. Have, have any of them played safety in the off season, or or could you see that happening that in season? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously balancing with the, you know, coming back from the gunshot wound, he, he was a little late to get on the field. I don't think he practiced until the second week of OTAs. So he was already pretty far behind and mostly just worked as, you know, second or third team corner. I think they want to keep him where he's comfortable to start out. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that may project to, to make in that transition, but I think, you know, the plan this year is, uh, probably keep him there. I don't think he's going to have a big role. I mean, he's got, he's got to fight to make the roster. I think he probably will make it because at a, he is a draft pick. Those guys tend to to kind of win those battles for uh, the last spots. And I do think he can contribute right away on special teams because of his speed and physicality. So uh, I think that's probably more where, where he's going to be. And you let him develop the defensive part of his game, you know, as we go forward, but I think he's more of a, a day one special teams contributor uh, and love. I, again, I know there's talk there and I think he did a little bit at rookie mini camp, but once, uh, you know, they got on the field of veterans, he was exclusively at corner. Um, you know, he was kind of the number, the second team uh, slot corner. I, I think, Odds are he'll he'll beat out Grant Haley for that job this summer. I'm kind of a little bit on island on that because you know I think people really were impressed with Haley last year. I can't say that I was. I mean I think he was fine. Uh, but you know you drafted Love in the fourth round. He's got the the pedigree as a you know all American from Notre Dame. I, I just feel like at some point uh, he's gonna win that battle. Uh, and you know again another guy maybe down the road his future. Uh, could be at safety, but you know you have two starters there where you're, you're pretty well established that you know Peppers and Bethea are going to be there this year. So I think you kind of start love, you know, out at slot if, that, if that's where you feel like his best spot is, and if if that doesn't work out or Grant Hilly emerges into a uh, Pro Bowler, then you adjust. But I think that both those guys will at least start uh, their careers at corner. Yeah, it was it was odd to not hear Love getting as many like you know he wasn't we didn't hear much from him. Um, coming out of this OTAs because like you said I mean he was all-american at Notre Dame he had like 10 pass breakups in one game I can't remember what <laughs> what game it was but yeah it was, it was odd to see him out there and, and like you said I'd love to see him get in that nickel position permanently this season but Dan we appreciate you coming on before we let you go where can people find you subscribe to the athletic all that all that stuff yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, subscribe to The Athletic. If you, if you haven't already, you can hit me up on Twitter and I can give you the latest, uh, you know, discount. We, we always have something running. That's uh, ddugan21. Uh, I'm always on there, too. So those are uh, the two main places to find me. Yeah, always discounts. I, I, you know, I always see in the ads $2 a month, 50% off. So always a good deal and worth it. I, uh, I keep reading my subscription. Dan, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right, have a good one, Dan. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Hi, Danny. Let's get into the mail. All right. First question comes from at 
J to the Rock. He asks, hey guys, I know the common saying is a team will go as far as their QB takes them, but do you believe in our specific case this year, this team will go as far as our O-line will take us? Bobby, I'll send it to you first. Yeah, offensive line is huge. Offensive lines can make uh, mediocre guys look good and bad guys look mediocre. Um, and that's the same with the defensive line, too. It's, it's, it's really it's like a, it's a cliche, but this game is one and loss in the trenches. It really is. Obviously, quarterback is huge. But if a quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball, he can't do what he can do. That being said, my expectations are tempered with uh, a side of optimism being like, you know, Eli can get it done because Eli still has the arm talent. So if he puts it together this year, we can make a playoff run. Um, and obviously, I believe in Daniel Jones. I don't know about his rookie year. But I, you know, I, I think everyone knows that I'm, I'm a huge supporter of Daniel Jones. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers the question. But yeah, the offensive line is huge, and it can make a major difference for us. Although, while it is improved, it's, it's not the best offensive line in the league. Although we might have the best guard combo by the end of the year. No, yeah, 100. Uh, percent It really, the, the, the saying that the, the QB takes them as far as they could go in Eli's case. It's just all his offensive line. If his own line isn't good, Eli's not going to be good. If Eli's offensive line is decent, Eli will be decent. And as you said, uh, is our offensive line the best in the league? No, we have Mike Remmers and or Chad Wheeler as our right tackle. We, As you said, I think we have one of the better guard duos in the NFL. Not saying the best, one of the better. And left tackle, I mean, Nate Solder, I mean, as long as he's not started the season, Nate Solder, like he was last year, he's ended the season, I'm fine with that. But, yes, I believe our offensive line will play a key role in this because as well as this is also really Saquon's team now that Odell's gone. So Saquon's going to be a major part of this team. And as I said before, if Eli does not have a good offensive line, he's down on the ground in like three seconds. So, yes, our offensive line is going to play a key part this year. Definitely. And Daniel Jones nipping at the heel of Eli Manning will force him to be a little more aggressive. So, yeah, offensive line is big. I love the big nasties. So yeah, next question. Next question comes from at Bruegel underscore Poppy20. He has, first off, appreciate the bumper sticker, Bobby. I'm stoked for them to get here. So my question is on the special team side of the house. How do you see the returner shaping out of one designated or multiple for specific situations? Uh, I, I think this really just depends on who wins wide receiver number three. If, if Cody wins wide receiver number three, then it's probably going to be Corey that's going to be returning both punts or at least kickoff returns, maybe not punt returns because he was more of a better kick return guy than punt return. Then if Corey wins the wide receiver free spot, I could see them then split it and have uh, maybe Corey do kickoff returns and have uh, Latimer do punt returns. That's how I could see that shaping out. I actually think it's going to be Peppers for both. That's going to be what they want. Although I think it, I think it'll be pretty fluid throughout the season. Um, I don't see Latimer doing any return roles. It, well, maybe as like a second returner as a kick return, which ends up being more of a lead blocker, but that has the capability to return a kick if it gets completely like set his way or pooched. Um, I'd probably rather have Jabril Peppers as punt return. He's just been consistent there. I mean, part of that is just catching the ball. While Coleman, I just don't know. Like, I'm not saying he's not good at that. I just don't know. And then Coleman, I think, would be a little more electric in the kicker turn game. So they might split it, especially if Coleman's starting, then they might just throw it just the peppers. Um, but if Coleman's not starting, they got to figure out to get him on the, on the field in different ways. So if Coleman's not starting, 
then I definitely see him in the kick return role. But if Coleman is starting, I would say that they probably use Peppers in both. But we do have options, and uh, it's not kind of like uh, we just throw some guys back there, and then if we really need to return, throw back Odell there. We have a f- couple solid guys, and that's always good to have. No, and, you know, sorry, go ahead. The only reason why I said Latimer is because I remember him returning in the Dallas game when Corey Coleman wasn't doing it. So that's the only reason why I said uh, Latimer. But I agree with your Peppers point. He obviously has the experience at doing it. I say, if anything, you put uh, Peppers at punt returner, and then have Corey on kickoff returns because Corey he was he brought the kick return game alive. And remember in the 49ers game in particular, he returned that kickoff right after halftime or something, and it got the team to like the 50 yard line. The Giants haven't been at the 50 yard line for a kickoff return that whole season by that point, and he was a fine punt returner. But I do like the Peppers at punt returner. Yeah, didn't he have like one up to like the 45, 50 in the the Dallas game maybe at the end of the year? I can't remember which game it was. I, I feel like there was another one where he was on the sideline. Uh, I, I think the Buccaneers Buccaneers game. Okay, yeah, I get them all freaking mixed up. Um, so yeah, that's uh, those are definitely both options. It's nice to have some like options where you can be excited about it um, instead of just like, all right, we'll throw back. Who are the? I can't even remember the receivers that we like jumbled around for the number five spot last year. Uh, uh, Khalif Raymond was one of them. Joel uh, Davis, Sh- Sharp, Sharp, Hunter Sharp, Joel Davis. We had so many weird guys last year. Oh yeah, uh, Quadre Henderson. Remember him? Yep. Quadre, I think he might even be on the roster still. I can't remember exactly. Oh boy. That's um, so yeah, so yeah, that's Peppers and Coleman um, with Latimer having the ability to do it. Yeah. Uh, final question comes from Ad Gazman Superstar. He said Chris Sims has Eli in the mid thirties on his top forty QBs list. Where would you guys rank him? So I, I looked at his thirty three through forty because that's what he has available. In front of Eli, he has Ryan Tannehill. That, that, that's comical to me. Uh, Eli Manning, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Robert Griffin, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Colton McCoy, and Tyrod Taylor. I mean, uh, basically everyone underneath him I agree with because you're, there's Eli, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not better than Eli. Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins obviously isn't. Colton McCoy, I don't even know what Colton McCoy's doing. He was injured last year. Tyrod Taylor, he's the back of the Phil Sims. But... Ryan Tannehill, I'm sorry, he's not better than Eli Manning. That's not even being biased. Eli Manning is at least the 30, number 33-ranked quarterback. He even has some backups better than him, which I don't agree with. But what he has available and given to us, Eli Manning is, is at least 33, maybe even 32, depending on who he puts at 32. Yeah, it's Chris Sims' quarterback list, I think it actually is a joke. And I'm not even like being like, oh, this guy's a joke. I think it actually is a joke. I think it started with... Blake Bortles, like he said, Blake Bortles was like the 78th worst quarterback in the league or something. And Dan Levitard called him out, like, name 77 guys better. So they did this thing where he would go through, like, each week or whatever. They'd have him, like, all right, number 74, Austin Davis. Um, and it's kind of like Chris Sims could be really good at his job, but he's kind of been more hot takey um, and more like trying to go for laughs and whatnot. So Chris Sims is a guy I would like to like. I, I liked him in Tampa with the Bucs. Um, I think he has the ability to be good on TV and whatnot, but he just gets hot takey too much. And at the end of the day, like, what gets clicks is pitting Eli Manning at 33 and having all the New York Giants uh, fans coming at it, some being for it, some being against it, and it gets people talking about it. So, yeah, I, I just think Chris Sims is really hot takey. Um, I'd have to look at the list, but off my like, – all right, Ryan Tanley Hill's not better. All right, let me just go real quick. AFC, 
East. Jets, Darnold's not better than him right now. He could be, but he's not. Patriots, Tom Brady, yes. Josh Allen from the Bills, no. Dolphins, Rosen and Fitzpatrick, not. Uh, AFC South, Titans, Mariota, Tannehill, not. J- uh, Jags, Nick Foles, maybe, maybe. Um, Texans, Watson, I would say yes. Um, so, yeah, basically, like, he'd probably be somewhere in the middle right now. But, yeah, what, what Chris Sims, who cares? No, yeah, Chris Sims, I don't even know if this, he even does this until this question was asked. The only time I even remember seeing Phil Sims was when uh, the Sunday Night Football halftime show or something like that. So, yeah, Chris Sims, I mean, he's just there. Uh, I don't really <laughs> care about his opinions. Uh, it just bothered me now looking at it that he has Ryan Tannehill, who is not going to be starting this year, above Eli Manning. So that's just annoying to me. Yeah, Chris Sims. Uh, I used to listen to pro football talk with Mike Floor in the morning, and Chris Sims would come on. And he like never like gave anything of a lot of substance. He kind of just played the game. So whatever. Chris Sims can say whatever he wants. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's a show. Thanks for responding to the bumper sticker stuff. I when we got those, I was like, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get a few people to respond, and then we just kept on getting DM after DM after DM. I was like, wow, people actually like aren't just listening because it's a giant show. People actually care. So that's like really encouraging to get all those. Um, and we'll have to get some more, and maybe we'll do something again around training camp. Make sure to wrap them. I appreciate. It. And we're getting a lot from like we're all over the country for our listenership. We really are. Obviously, like New Jersey, New York was the most. I had a couple a few from Florida, Texas, Tennessee, North Carolina, California. Had a few ladies on there, so we got a few lady listeners. Tell you, tell your girls, guys, to listen to Talking Giants. Yeah, so it's actually it's really cool to see people reaching out that much. And like for me today, being counting and like, oh, are we gonna have enough stickers? So yeah, it's been really cool to see as many people reach out. No, yeah, we're we're. What's it? Nationwide, talking Giants is taking over the nation, and it just shows that Giants fans are everywhere, and we're responding to them well. We're not like your Breaking Blues or talking Talk is Cheap or whatever that other show's called. Dang, bro, you're just smashing shows, Danny. I like it. Uh, so yeah, and like I think that I, I really like talking to people. I love when people reply to our stuff and interacting with them. Um, try to you know we reply to ninety percent of the people that reply to us. I've gotten better about not replying to the people who say stupid stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, we're, we're just becoming more mature as a show. And you're, like, like eight years younger than me, Danny. And, like, I'm way more immature than you. I, I'm the one who gets super mad online <laughs> while you're just like, okay, whatever. Um, so, yeah. I, but I think that's a good yin and yang. So, yeah, that's a show. I wanted to keep it under 50 minutes. I don't know where we did. Maybe we just got right at it. So, yeah, I appreciate you guys reaching out to us. Keep doing it. Keep telling your friends. We'll have to get some more stickers. Maybe we'll sell them for $100 a piece. We'll go to training camp. (laughs) Probably not, but we'll see what happens. All right, until next Tuesday, let's go Big Blue.